Hi everybody, Mike Wardrop from Encounter Church here and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. Hello everyone, it is awesome to be with you today. Um, I am so excited because I have the privilege of bringing the very last message in the series we've been doing on the Lord's Prayer. And I'm also blessed because I get to do the last um, online church uh, in isolation. I'm so excited to be back with you next week. I feel like I'm kind of like the Israelites might have felt when they went to the promised land, except it's only been three months and not 40 years. Um, But I am really, really excited to be bringing the word tonight. And don't worry, if you can't be in the room with us next week, say you're interstate or for some reason, we're actually still going to be online, which is really, really exciting, but you hear more about that later. So this week, we're going to get into the last, last bit of the Lord's Prayer. And this is a line that when my kids do the Lord's Prayer every night, they love to yell. So they say, for the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. And they honestly yell that loudly. It's amazing. So we are going to do what we have done every, um, every one of these messages. And we're going to stand up together. Everyone in this room is going to stand up together. And we're going to read the Lord's Prayer together. Stand up, everyone. They're all standing up now. Great. So why don't you join with me? The words are going to be on your screen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. So tonight, we're going to talk about the last line in this wonderful prayer. My very favorite book of the Bible is Luke, and my very favorite chapter in the Bible happens to be Luke 11. And so I know Luke 11 really well. It's where Jesus teaches us to pray. It's where he talks about how when we knock on the door, that that he answers it. And then there's a whole sermon in that, Um, but I'm not going to go into that tonight. But because I know Luke 11, when I read the Lord's Prayer for one of the first times, I was like, that last line that I'm preaching on tonight, it's not in there. Which I thought was a little bit weird. And I thought, that's okay. It's, it's over again in Matthew. So let's jump over to Matthew 6. So I jumped over to Matthew 6, and I read Matthew 6. And I was like, it's not there either. It's not in the Bible. But yet we pray it. And so I was like, okay, well, (laughs) if it's not in the Bible and we're not meant to add anything to the Bible, uh, is it meant to be there? Should we say it? Should we pray it? Are we being tricked right now? I don't know. There are so many questions running around in my mind. So what is this line? This line is called what we call a doxology. And yes, I did have to Google that word, doxology. Essentially, a doxology is a simple statement of praise. So the last line in this, in, this, um, in this prayer is a simple praise to God. And it's, while it's not in the way that Jesus taught us to pray in the scriptures, it is how they would have ended every single prayer and praise and word of hymn, um, a word of song, in, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. 
So Ephesians 5, 19 to 20 probably summarizes this, um, and it's the best example of the importance of a doxology. So in that, in Ephesians 5, it says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with our heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So a doxology has a really important role to play and it has in the past in the history of the church and it does right now. It still has importance today. So the doxology in Matthew was originally added to the Lord's Prayer for use during congregational worship and we still use it today. And it's actually based on uh, 1 Chronicles 29.11. So it really comes out of that. And that says, Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. So again, this doxology that we read in the end of the Lord's Prayer is not in Matthew or Luke. It's actually not in the very earliest manuscripts that we can find that the Bible, um, when the Bible was written. But it, it is actually in some manuscripts that you'll read today. So if you were to look up the uh, New King James Version, it's actually in there, and it's also in some of the Jewish Bibles. And the reason for that is, is that um, the early, earliest manuscripts didn't have it, but some of the early did because they realized that what would have happened is that Jesus would have actually prayed that that prayer, that set of praise at the end of the Lord's Prayer, even if it's not actually written down. So the reason it's not in the scriptures that you read today is we go back to the very, very early manuscripts and it wasn't actually written down. So just to be true to that, they've eliminated. But yes, you can pray the end of that last line, which is great for my sermon. It's actually um, more than just okay, it's important. It's really important. Um, it's an important part of worship. It's an important part of our life to praise the Lord. And actually, all of our prayers should end in some kind of praise to God. So it's funny, when I was um, thinking about this doxology, I realized that I actually say a doxology at the end of my prayers. And I didn't know that's what it was, but I love to end all of my prayers with, with in Jesus' mighty and wonderful and powerful, magnificent name. Amen. And so let's look at this doxology tonight. So it starts off with the kingdom. The kingdom of God transcends time and space. It's the glory of God shown in the redeeming work of creation. So Mike actually preached about this a few weeks back, and I'm actually not going to go into all about the kingdom tonight, but I want to encourage you, go and read, have a listen to that um, or a watch of that sermon. It's a really powerful sermon. And then it goes into the power, all-powerful omnipresent, meaning he is everywhere. He is the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. Our small brains can't even understand how big God is, how the fact that God was never born, he was never made, he always was. And that shows just a glimpse of his power. And then it goes into, and the glory are yours now and forever. So the kingdom is his, the power is his, and the glory is his forever. Not till you're done giving him glory. Not until all things are well and good in your world forever and ever. So tonight, I actually want us to dive in and take a look, a closer look at glory. Giving glory to God is simply putting him first. Wanting others 
to see what he has done in your life. To glorify God is to praise who he is, his holiness, his faithfulness, his majesty, his mercy, his love, his graciousness, his power, just to name a few. Rehearsing them over and over again in our minds and telling others about the nature of the salvation that he offers to us. Glorifying God means to follow him and to believe in him. Let's look at a few scriptures tonight at a few different people that gave God the glory. I want us to have a look at Joseph. I've preached about Joseph before. So essentially the short version of it is, is Joseph's brothers threw him in a well. They then sold him to some slave traders and then he was put in jail and then he was released and he was serving somebody and then he got accused of um, raping a woman and then he got thrown back in prison again. Now, by this point... I'm probably personally feeling a little bit sorry for myself. You know, he had lived a pretty good life. He had, uh, was a son of, 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 of a good man, but he'd been thrown in jail and his life had become this dim, dim event. And then Joseph gets called to Pharaoh to interpret his dreams. And in Genesis 41, verse 15, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one could interpret it. But I have heard it said that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Verse 16 says, I cannot do it, Joseph replies to Pharaoh. But God will give Pharaoh the answers he desires. Now a woe is me attitude says, I can climb the ladder if I take the glory for myself here. If I tell Pharaoh, actually, yes, I can interpret your dreams and let me do it, I get moved up, right? I get moved up into power. And it's very easy to think, oh, yeah, but, you know, I wouldn't do that. I would give God the glory like he did. But it's very easy to want to take the power in those moments, to take the glory. And for many of us, we, we think, well, look, when I get that promotion, then I'll glorify God in my workplace. Because what if people knew I was a Christian? Maybe I wouldn't get that promotion. Or we think, when I've got enough money, then I'll give to the Lord. But the truth is, you won't glorify God in the good times unless you glorify him in the hard times. Suddenly, the fortune that you got from your new job is yours. Suddenly, you don't want to lose power by telling people that you worship God. We have to be living, willing to give God the glory at all times like Joseph did. We have to understand that when we give God the glory with our whole lives, he is the one that moves us to the places where he wants us. I see many of us share um, our complaints on social media, etc. But do we point to God and bring him glory in our public lives, even when things go wrong? There's another scripture I want to walk through, Paul and Silas in prison in Acts 16. It starts off in verse 25th, and it won't, won't, won't be on your screen, but I'll, I'll read it out. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Let's just stop here for a second. They were in the middle of the night singing praises and hymns and the other prisoners were listening to them. 
Who's listening to you as you praise God? Who is in your space that's hearing you give praise to God? Goes on in verse 26. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisons had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for the lights and rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. When, then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed his wounds, and immediately he and his household were baptized. Praise the Lord. So the doors opened of the prison, and Paul and Silas could have run out in that moment. But I think Paul would have said to God in that moment, God, what do you want me to do? What is going to bring you the most glory? And he did that. Sometimes running out would make the most sense. But sometimes we need to listen to the, all times we need to listen to that small, still voice in our head that is saying, this is what will bring me glory. Giving glory to God means that you will do whatever you need to bring him praise. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Jesus says, not what will look, make you look the best, but what will bring me glory. When I worked, I worked um, before becoming a pastor in the media industry, and it's one of the, um, probably the most non-Christian industries um, that there is around the place. And there's some wonderful people in it. Um, but I worked in a workplace and I worked in the machine room. Essentially, my room was the room that everybody came to. I was like the hub. So everybody would come in and they would be like, blah, 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 gossip, 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 swear, 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 all this jazz, and then run out and leave me to deal with all of that. And so I decided that I'd had enough and I was going to put a swear jar in my room, right? So I had this swear jar, yes. Um, my, one, my funny story, my boss used to come in and just put 20 bucks in so that he would like be covered for the week and then come back later. And I was like, well, it's going to missions, so you know, it's all good. But I just did this small thing that I felt like the Lord was calling me to do. I simply put this money jar there. It wasn't a big like proclamation of my faith, but it was saying here, this money's going to missions. Actually, it's not who I am. That's not who I want this room that I'm in, that I, I run to be doing. So anyway, it wasn't that much and, and made it, maybe, maybe it looked like a prude or something like that, I don't know. But anyway, I did it. And many years later, one of my colleagues was an atheist. It, it would tell me all about how stupid my faith was all the time. It was really hard. Um, but a couple of years later, he emails me and he says, Hey, Jen, I know this is hypocritical of me, but I need you to pray for my wife and I. This was probably five years after I left the place I was working in. Because here's the thing, guys. When we bring glory to God wherever he's got us, when we bring glory with whatever is in our hands, he does the work. He transforms people's lives. And that's what he did for the jailer when Paul decided to follow what the Lord was saying and to bring him glory. 
We need to bring God the glory with all that we have. Everything from social media to the way we treat our families, to the way we treat our friends, to the way we treat our bodies, what we do with our bodies, even what we put in our bodies. That is, that is um, confronting when ISO has just been happening. But your body is a temple to God. And it matters that you give glory with who and what you have and all that you are. How about the way in which we talk about church? How about the way in which we talk about God? Am I bringing God the glory with my words? Now, when I'm feeling low and and I'm feeling tired, I have to ask myself, am I glorifying God with my actions and my words? Because the truth is, he deserves all the glory. And if we don't give it to you, can I tell you something? The scriptures say that if you don't praise the Lord, the stones will cry out. That's how powerful our God is. That's how powerful praising the Lord is. Can you imagine that standing there and the stones just cry out in praise? Far out. Now, even Jesus did this. He's the best example of this. The king of all kings came as a helpless baby to glorify God. The king of all kings came as this little baby because it would glorify God. Psalm 19, 1 to 2 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. The heavens declare God's glory. I think one of the biggest issues for us uh, in giving God the glory he deserves is that we want to take it for ourselves, right? Joseph and Paul had a choice to take the glory for themselves or to give it to God in that moment. And we daily have that choice as well. And can I just say, it's not easy. Because the world tells us that you can do whatever you want. You can be whoever you want. Don't worry about anybody else. You just do what is right for you. What is going to pull you up that ladder. What is going to glorify yourself. So you can't blame us in many ways for wanting to glorify ourselves. But the truth is, we have to take our eyes off ourselves if we're going to glorify God. We have to understand that while he uses us, he is actually the most important thing in the room. That while you are very, very important, you are not the most important person. God is. We are meant to give God the glory. But if he is also the God of glory, then what does the glory of God do to us. John Piper says that uh, defying, that defining the glory of God is actually impossible. Thanks, John, because that's my whole sermon. It's great. He says, because it's actually more like the word beauty than the word basketball. You can explain a basketball, right? If you've never seen a basketball in your life, I can explain to you that it's round, it's made of rubber, it's got these joints which are probably made of something else, I don't know. It's full of air, and when you drop it, all the basketball fans are like, oh my gosh, it's synthetic, not leather. Anyway, when you drop it, it bounces up, and you can catch it, it's round, etc. You can explain a basketball to people, and most people would be able to um, understand what it is. 
You can't do that with the word beauty. There are some words in our vocabulary that we can, be, we, we can communicate, but not in the way we say them, because we see them. So we can point, and if we point at enough things, there it is, there it is, there it is, there it is, then we might have able to have a common sense of what, what beauty is, but when you try and put the word beauty into words, it's very, very difficult. And it's the same thing with glory. Our next series we're about to do is called The Power of Encounter. And we're going to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, and I cannot wait. Last year, we did this series, and the power of God broke out in Encounter Church. And I can tell you, when we saw the power of God, the glory of God revealed, we saw people healed, we saw chains break off, we saw um, people slain in the Spirit, we saw people have an encounter with God for the very first time. So you might not be able to give words easily to the glory of God, but when the glory of God is upon you, you know Because when the glory of God is upon you, you become fully alive, fully alive in Christ. Your purpose is to give him glory when you experience his glory. That, that my friends, is when we become fully alive. The things of this world, they will never make you fully alive. And if you're feeling from distant from God right now or Perhaps you're not loving life right now. Perhaps this has been a really hard season for you. What you need is the glory of God to become fully alive in you. As I wrote this sermon, God said to me, fully alive, become fully alive, Jen. I want my people fully alive in me. You were made for this. Deep down, you were made for this. We're about to go back into in-person church soon. And I'm so excited to see you all, even if I'm technically not allowed to hug you. That's a real thing. I'm excited to have a cup of tea with you. I'm excited to have a coffee with you. Honestly, it's going to be the biggest reunion next week. And like, it's going to be unbelievable. Can't wait. These guys can't wait. But can I tell you something? I don't want to go back if that's all it is. I'm actually not interested. I can take you out for coffee. I can take you out for a meal if that's all it is. Unless we are there to praise God, unless we are there to give him the praise, I'm not coming. You do church without me. We can worship God in our homes on our own. But when the people gather and give God the praise, there is power in the room. We can give him glory as we lift our hands and our lives to him. Imagine that. Imagine if giving God the glory was your whole life purpose. What a life you would live if your whole purpose was to give God the glory. What a life you would live. 
Do you know, I think sometimes we make life harder than it needs to be. And now, right now, God is asking you, will you praise me? Will you choose to live your life with me at the center in all that you do, with all that you have, in every area of your life? We make it out to be some terrible and hard thing to follow the Lord. But can I tell you that God sent His Son to show you how to live and He sent His Holy Spirit to help you. And perhaps we need to hone into that. We need to rely on the Holy Spirit's presence to guide us. We have all we need to bring God glory with our lives. Let's fix our eyes on Him, the maker of all things, the great I Am. Thanks so much for listening. I pray that you were able to hear from God in a fresh way today. We'd love to hear from our listeners. To connect with us or to support the work of Encounter, please jump on our website, encounteradelaide.com.au. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to jump onto iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast provider and give us a rating and review. Or share this message on your social media accounts and tag us at Encounter Adelaide. God bless. Have an amazing week.